Hey guys, it's a brand new episode of the 13th Man Podcast. As always, it's Shane alongside with Frankie and we will, we will be your hosts today. And we're going back a little bit to the segment that we had to stop when we were trying to figure out what the hell was going on with our series in terms of the season. But we're going back to the roster depth charts and we have moved on to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Our last one happened to be the Ottawa Red Blacks. So we've, um, and I'm, I know Frankie's a little bit torn on this one. I So am I, so this is going to be a good one. Yeah, it's a little bit funny too, just how long it took us to come back to this. And it's even funnier how long of a break we took and we still don't know anything about the season happening or not. Um, also, there was an absolute garbage article. Not, not garbage article, garbage headline that came out that said the CFL got $30 million from the government. Um, Shane, that, that pissed me off. Right off, actually. Yeah, when you uh, when you sent me that text being like, we got the money, the CFL's going to have a season, I looked it up and I'm like, because well, there was nothing. There was literally nothing on TSN, nothing. Uh, and then I saw Dave Naylor retweet the article being like, this is false. Like, there is no, there is no guarantee. Uh, so the article happened to say, like, CFL gets money. But if you read the article, it's not saying anything. It's saying yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the government is happy with the protocols that the CFL has presented, which is good. I mean, that was apparently that was a huge, huge issue that the government was having was with the protocols. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it was horrible headline. I mean, that's, you know, clickbaiting to the max, but I messaged, I, I uh, DM Dave Naylor afterwards being like any update couldn't really give anything outside of the fact that the article, uh, the headline was misleading. I think that article is also still up. I haven't checked on that in in a little while here. Um, so I'm actually going to do that right now. But while I'm looking for this article, I also want to point out too that if you have been with us for a while, uh, you probably know that I'm a journalism student right now. And that article is a joke. The fact that somebody read this article and then gave this headline to it is a joke. By the way, it's still up. Of course it's still up. I think the funny, but not honestly, it seems like it's been a bad day for, for journalists, journalists across North America. Cause earlier in the week, I mean, branching off to hockey here, just cause there's been playoffs and whatnot. There was an article released that said the Canes were eliminated. Like the headline was Canes eliminated by the Islanders. But then you read the article and it's just like Florida Panthers, Florida Panthers, Florida Panthers. Yeah. yeah. And I, but at least they took it down. They were like, oh man, we messed up and took it down. Well, this, so they didn't take the article down. The article itself, by the way, is fine. Like it, it's, it, it, I think it lacks probably a little bit of detail of what exactly is happening, but I think that's only, the details only missing because of the headline they gave it. They've, they've now changed the headline. It's now CFL gets boost and bid for federal funding. To, to stage shortened season. Um, so it, it's, it's better. But before, I think it was something along the lines of government gives the CFL $30 million interest-free loan, which was just a complete nonsensical lie. It was. It was horrible. I don't understand where they, how they even allowed that kind of, uh, you know, headline to be published. You know, I feel like that would have been true. But with that being said, I think that's the only major, you know, news in in the Canadian football world right now. Uh, I know the Canadian Junior Football League, uh, which spans from BC all the way through Ontario, uh, officially announced the cancellation of their season, which sucks for a lot of players. Are you surprised, though? God, no. Yeah. the fact that the, the Quebec Football League suspended their season and they have like five teams all within like a three or four hour drive outside of Ottawa from, from each other, I'm not surprised that they, that they canceled their season. Yeah, but I mean like the fact that we're sitting here in uh, pretty much we're, we're getting to the point where we can start saying we're in the middle of August. There is no way that any youth or semi-pro football is being played this year. 
No, there's cons- no way that any football other than the CFL and the NFL are possibly putting on games this year. And I, I have my doubts that either of those leagues are going to get on the field this year. Yeah, I mean, considering the fact that they would have started training camp in mid-July, first games of the season would have been coming up either in the next two weekends, actually, for both leagues, for, for the, C, the CGFL or for the, uh, the Quebec League. So it's kind of it's disappointing as a player, as someone who was looking forward to those leagues. Um, you know, losing a, another full year of football sucks as a, from a player standpoint. But, you know, bigger things than football. Of course. And, you know, it's disappointing. Uh, we got word that the, uh, the OHL and the WHL for hockey wouldn't be coming back till December. Like, I, I just – Which makes I don't sense. know. Once the NHL said the fact that they were going to – like, NHL said the fact that they were going for a December 1st startup, um, they would have like, – it made sense for everything else to follow through. Hey, also, as we're recording this, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning have just beat the Blue Jackets in overtime number five. So, so bad for Columbus. Oh, but yeah. They deserve such a better fate. We might be a football show, but uh, we're also Canadians, so you know what that means. We also do two different hockey podcasts. Yes, yes, yeah. But that being said, Shane, I think we've teased Saskatchewan Rough Riders fans with this enough. Um, let's get to it. Yeah, we'll jump right into the quarterback situation. As always, the, the most important position on the field, depending on who you ask. But, you know, yeah, Frankie, talk, uh, bring us in through the quarterback position. Um, well, I mean, obviously, Cody Fajardo is number one. And for what he did last year, I think that leaves Riders fans pretty happy. I mean, I, who, who was it that did their quarterback ranking and put Cody Fajardo number one? Was it, was it Rod Peterson? Yeah, but he's kind of a homer. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Respect the guy a crap ton, and his opinion matters. But like, he's the biggest homer and one of the biggest homers in sports, and he's not afraid to admit that. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm putting together a quarterback tier list, I think tier one's obviously Bowie by Mitchell, Mike Riley. That that's obviously your number one, your two best quarterbacks in the CFL. After that, do you think that Fajardo's in there with? Mazzoli, Evans, uh, Harris, you could – I think you could make the argument that Cody Fajardo's in that second tier. One year. How can you make an argument about a guy who's been like, – this is my issue with, with Fajardo. He's been a, a third-string quarterback in both Toronto and in BC. And then he goes to Saskatchewan. He makes the most of his opportunity. And great. You know, I have nothing but respect for the guy for – you know, the CFL is a league of opportunity. But to say that he's already in Tier 2 is, I think, way, it's the same thing with Vernon Adams and Nick Arbuckle. None of those three quarterbacks, Dane Evans included, are in Tier 2. Those are Tier 3 quarterbacks because they've only done it for a year. I think if, you're, if you can assume that what we saw last year is what we're going to see out of Cody Fajardo, I think he's, he could be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He could be, but can he do it? That's the question. Right. That's... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like, looking around the rest of this roster, he's going to need some help, I think. Um, but from what we saw last year, like, Cody Fajardo has a chance to be a really good quarterback. The que- like, like you said, the question is now, can he, can he come back and have a really strong second year? Because if he doesn't, you know, they, he could quickly find himself in another backup job if, if for whatever reason, James Franklin comes out and, and balls out. Like, he had the potential to earlier in his career. To be fair, like you, you've paid Fajardo to be your number one quarterback. He's going to have a super long leash. I don't expect that to change. Anytime. But remember what Derek Dennis told us last week. With no, nothing tying, there's nothing tying a team to a player. They could pay him a million dollars, but if he doesn't produce, they can just cut him in the offseason. It doesn't make a difference to them. Guarantees, though. What was that? I'm pretty sure Fajardo has guarantees. Does he have guarantees? I'm pretty sure in the new – like I'm pretty sure Vernon Adams, Nick Arbuckle – and uh, Fajardo all had, like, signing bonuses and whatnot in their contract. What did he get, though? Was it, was it 400 they gave him? 
I think so, something like that. No, yeah. I don't remember actually. It's, I think Saskatchewan's in a situation because they're not they're not paying Cody Fajardo a ridiculous amount of money to be a starting quarterback like uh, BC is, right? Uh, Fajardo's still on a rather team friendly deal. You have a chance right now, assuming Cody Fajardo can can have another year like he did last year. Like we're we're talking about this guy being probably let, let's go with if that ball was an inch above the crossbar instead of hitting it they're going to the Grey Cup. Yeah, and I mean the ifs and, you know, ifs and buts is always going to be a conversation, but I think we need to to hold you know press the brakes a little bit about naming like any of those four quarterbacks who came onto the scene last year as superstar or tier two or, you know, elite quarterbacks. They all four of them have had one year and Frankie's giving me that unimpressed one finger, one finger look. No, no, I'm giving you, I have a point to make finger. <laughs> um, At least two of these tier three quarterbacks will be better than Trevor Harris next year. I, I honestly, I agree. But to say that Trevor Harris, who has put up respectable numbers over his last four or five years. Nah, really good numbers. Really good numbers. It's just the wins-losses don't add up. Respectable. I'm sorry. The, the win-losses are, are part of those numbers. I don't care how many yards you've thrown or how many touchdowns you've thrown. If you're, you know, if you have a losing record, you have a losing record. There's nothing you can do about it. He's put up respectable numbers across the board year in and year out. You know, he, he's been top top three or top four in passing and whatnot. So if you're going to lump these guys in with him, as much as I'm not a Harris fan, I think that's the disrespect to Harris. Fair point. Fair point. Let's, let's move on to the quarterback depth here um, because James, Hank, James Franklin and uh, why am I forgetting his first name? Isaac Harker. Um, I'm not an Isaac Harker guy. But I do think that there was reason to believe that James Franklin could be a starting quarterback in the CFL. There's a reason why all the buzz was about him when he left Edmonton. Um, by the way, apparently Edmonton, just a QB-producing paradise with uh, Matt Nichols and, and James Franklin becoming hot commodities out of nowhere. But I think if, if, James, if, if Cody Fajardo gets hurt, I think James Franklin's kind of like a similar quarterback that has the chance to explode just like Fajardo did. I think that coaching staff is very is set in a way that they'll be able to get the most out of Franklin. Yeah. Dude, what is it with the Dickinsons just being amazing football coaches? Concerning the fact that, uh, I mean, uh, Dave out in, in Calgary played. He was a quarterback in the league, so it's a little bit different. Um, but Craig has just been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Speaking of writers, coaches too. Uh, Tyson wrote an article about Chris Jones that people did not uh, I think, particularly like. I think I think I think most most writer fans don't like Chris Jones. Well, the the question that we posed when we posted it. By the way, people didn't hate Tyson's article. They hated the question I asked. Um, it was what was your favorite Chris Jones moment? And I tell you, Shane, not a word of a lie. Ninety-five percent of the responses, if not more, were just the same when he left. Yeah, because Chris Jones is not a CFL coach. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I thought it was funny though. I mean, I'm not surprised. I've been saying it for for years that Chris Jones tried to Americanize the game and it backfired. If it's not for he got lucky in 2015 to win the Great Cup, Mike Riley s- stole the Great Cup from from Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ottawa kind of stole from themselves by not wanting it more than Edmonton. Yeah. I mean, there were some questionable calls that, if called, they could have changed the game. But, like, overall, you know, Mike Riley wanted that game more than Ottawa as a whole. It's just the way it is. Uh, I've always said it. Ottawa was happy to be there in that game. But um, that's the quarterbacks. Let's let's move to running backs where – Number one and number two, Shane, ex-Red Blacks. Uh, they got William Powell and Keenan LaFrance up there, who honestly, I, I think a lot, uh, Saskatchewan fans expected to be a lot more than what he is right now. And I think he, Keenan LaFrance, yeah. Um, after he had that crazy breakout game 
against Edmonton in the snow. Um, everybody thought he was going to be the next big Canadian running back, and that hasn't been the case. Uh, I think he had a brief stay with the Bombers too, did he not? Yeah, he went. Yeah, but I mean, this is an Anthony Coombs kind of running back. Those guys don't yeah. survive. Those Canadian type, those kind of Canadian running backs don't survive in the CFL as running backs. Yeah. Well, you, you know what? Walked out to receiver, and I don't think he's been given that opportunity. LaFrance has clearly clearly been good enough to keep himself around the league. Like he he provides you good depth, and I I think he has the ability to come out. And if William Powell gets hurt, I think he can you know come in for a game and rush for 50, 75 yards and keep you in it. Like. Galanders is the same thing to the Red Blacks as Keenan LaFrancis to the Rough Riders. Yeah. He's a change of pace back. He's a ratio breaker because they're both nationals. You know, it's just one of those things that he, he's there as the third back. He's a guy that you, use in the pa- you can use in the passing game as well in the running game. Other than, than Powell and, and LaFrance, I don't think there's too much there that you'd have to worry about. But I – mean, like Morrow and Simmons could could be could be fighting for LaFrance's role. They could be, but again, you're also talking about William Powell, who undeniably is one of the best running backs in the CFL. I think he had a little bit of a tough year last year with the Riders, but the William Powell that you and I know and that Red Blacks fans know is among the best running backs in the league, if if not second best, right behind um, Andrew Harris. A healthy Powell, maybe, but I don't know. Who, who would you put ahead of him if he's healthy, though? If he's healthy, who would I put ahead of him? Without Standback, without Wilder in the league. Oh, currently, yeah, he's probably the second best back. Right, because Standback, Wilder, Gable are the only ones that I think you could really make an argument to have over top of of Powell. Of course, under, under Andrew Harris. I think that's undeniable that Andrew Harris is the best running back in the league. Yeah, and I mean... I just I don't know. I feel like Powell he's too inconsistent in terms of like he, he he's injury prone. He's had his, his fair share of injuries. Yes. You know I think there's there's definitely things that hinder him. But yeah, I think right now he's definitely the second best back in the league. Like if I'm Saskatchewan, I, I'm confident that William Powell brings to the table what what I need. Right. At the end of the day, the Riders are going to throw the ball a lot more than they're going to pass, or they're going to throw the ball a lot more than they're going to run it. So. I don't think you need William Powell to run 150, 200 yards a game. It's an unrealistic expectation for him on this team. But if Powell can just pick up five, six, seven yards at a time, he's going to open up a lot for, for the, the Cody Fajardo to throw the ball. And I think that's exactly what Saskatchewan's asking out of him. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about throwing the ball. And you look at that receiving core, it's not pretty. It's not terrible though. But it's not. You have what? Jack Evans. That's that's your big. That's the big guy. That's it. Really. Well, yeah. They they did lose Namon Roosevelt. Um, they yeah, lost Stafford, which is good. But you've got um, Kyran Moore out there. You've got Jordan Williams Lambert, who has been, you know, uh, last year he's still a young player, I believe. What was last year his rookie season? Lambert. Williams, yeah. yeah, he's twenty six. Is he? Well, he's still for CFL standards. Twenty six is young. Um, Kyron Moore is young though. He's twenty three years old. Yes. Was it Kyron Moore that was in his rookie season last year? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. You um, know, looking at his roster, the one name that that stands out to me is Max Zimmerman, the global receiver from Germany, drafted by Minnesota, and was. Pretty sure he was the one that was drafted by Minnesota and was never given a chance to show that he was actually a good receiver, which I think it's, is hilarious. Did he get did he get drafted in like the actual NFL draft or was he drafted in that like uh international draft they had last year that every team had one pick in? Uh I'm pretty sure he was the one that was drafted. Um he was he was drafted in the uh for the CFL draft in like the um in the global draft, but I might ah. be mistaken. He might not be the same guy. Man, one one of the names that I look at and actually kind of stands out to me, believe it or not, is uh, Jake Hardy. Fantastic I, special teamer, to to say the very least about him. And you know, 
another Canadian weapon. And I don't know if he's going to come out and like, he's obviously not your 1000 yard receiver. He's not your primary guy, but I think if you lose a Canadian somewhere, he can come out, he can hurt you over the top, not over the top, but like over the middle. I think he can pick up a couple of yards for you if you need it and, and get off the field for you. Yeah. See, personally, I have no interest in Hardy. I still, uh, I still remember him trying to make a, a tackle. He just threw himself in front of the guy on special teams and it cost us a touchdown. And I just, to me, I, I just, I can't, when you do something like that, when you're a professional athlete, it just pisses me off. Like wrap up, use your I, arm. I take your one example and I raise you like two to three years of solid special team plays for the red blacks. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, that, that one play is burned into my mind. And Look, I like Jake Hardy. Um, like I said, I think he's a fantastic special teams player. I want to see him get a chance to play. Like he, he missed the entirety of last season with, with an injury. Not sure exactly what it was. Uh, it may have been ACL related in oh, training camp, I believe. I, if, if I remember correctly, that's what it was. Um, but I want to see Jake Hardy get a real chance. Yeah, I mean, I would be okay with that. But... Jake Hardy's a guy, too, that tried to help me out with a high school project one time. So maybe we'll get him on the show. <laughs> maybe. I can talk Next to Calgary my... Dino. Maybe I can just ask him why he threw his body at a player instead of wrapping him up. I'm sure he'll know exactly what you're talking about, too. I will send him the clip. I will find the <laughs> clip and I will send it to him. <laughs> this is why I had lost. This, this is why I was mad at you and I was okay when you left. Because why? why? This is amateur hour. Yeah. Um, I know we haven't talked a whole bunch about fullbacks on any other team, but um, Patrick Lavoie another ex-Red Black that uh, I think they traded for last year, right? Um, no, they traded away. Did they trade him away? Yeah. And now he's back? Oh, Saskatchewan. I thought, uh, I thought he ended up in Montreal and then went to Saskatchewan. He right, with- yeah, yeah. So he, he signed with – or he was traded to Montreal in exchange for um, – oh, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Anyway, the fullback Ottawa has now. I don't know why I'm forgetting that. Yeah, so he was, he was drafted by Montreal, went to Ottawa in the expansion draft. Yeah. Was traded to Montreal and then was traded to Saskatchewan. Yeah. From Montreal. It's J.C. Beaulieu that he was traded for, by the way. Um, so, yeah, now he, he was traded to Saskatchewan, still the fullback there. Uh, I have fond memories of Patrick Lavoie. He had two touchdown catches in both Grey Cups, one in each. I think Patrick Lavoie is a pretty good fullback. I think you can mix him into the offense a little bit too. Uh, he's not just out there to block. And I think uh, – I wouldn't qualify this as the most threatening offense ever, but I think he can get the job done. It's not even close. It's probably the worst offense in the CFL. I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, I've, I've taken a – I've done a peek ahead towards Toronto and to Winnipeg. Definitely the worst offense in the CFL. I think a lot of this is going to hinge on Cody Fajardo. I mean, um, they're putting a lot of faith in Cody Fajardo. A lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, who knows? They might even end up uh, going heavy Will Powell, but maybe some WIPO action would, wouldn't hurt. Transition, talking about going run heavy, that O-line is, is looking relatively, relatively monstrous in terms yeah. of returning players. Your three interior offensive linemen are Brandon Labatt, Dan Clark, and Dakota Shepley. Yo, Brandon Labatt is is the goat, and then so is the Dan Clark's just funny. His Twitter is amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, was Dakota Shepley not a first round NFL pick? I know he played for the Giants too, um, but I, I I'm not too sure what round he was picked in. Let's check on that actually. Oh no, he was fifth overall by Saskatchewan in 2018. He previously signed with the New York Jets as an undrafted free agent in April 2018. He attended training camp, played in three preseason games. Uh, he played 17 games and starting 14 of them at right guard. Dude, my my uh, my knowledge is a little off today because you're right. It was the Jets, not the Giants. Um, this is all according to CFL. So he basically was released and signed with the Riders in March. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, he's bringing some NFL experience, though. Like, he, he's played against some really good football players. And that interior 
is crazy. Um, I was watching, I was watching something that Henry, uh, uh, Tim Baines did with Henry Burris. And he was talking about what would you rather as a quarterback? Would you rather the pressure come straight down the middle or would you rather it go to the outsides? And Burris said he'd rather it come out to the outside because then he can step up into the pocket and make the throw. Yeah, that's 100% of the case. Like, if you're looking at this Riders offensive line, how many people are coming through the middle on you? No, if you ask any quarterback, you want to step up in the pocket. Yeah. And if you're a defense, that's what you want. Having the pressure from outside is great. But if you don't have the inside pressure or the inside uh, fortification, you don't even need pressure. You just need someone to be able to control the – you need two guys to control the interior of the line. If you don't have that, you have as much pressure as you want from the outside. He's going to – quarterback's going to get it off. And that's, that's what we've seen with the Red Blacks for so many years, right? Somebody will come flying off the outside, and then all of a sudden the quarterback steps up and there's a deep bomb. The, the quickest route to the quarterback is through the center. Yeah. The shortest route is to the center. It's through the center. Well, you got Dan Clark at center. I'm not concerned. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is that like for two from a defensive line to the quarterback, the quickest route is through the center. And if you can get if you can control that, have as much outside pressure as you want, nine times out of ten, that quarterback's gonna be able to throw the ball before you before you can get to him. How many defensive tackles in the CFL do you think could possibly Ted Laurent? You think so? Even if you double team them? Because like if you're if you're looking at it. In all likelihood, you can probably double-team him with either Dan Clark, Brandon Labatt, or Dan Clark and Dakota Shepley. 4-3. Standard offense is a 4 a Standard defense is a 4-3. You're going to be double-teamed. Your one-tack, the guy in between the guard and the center, will be double-teamed 99.9% of the time. Right. And that's what you want. You want your one-tack to be double-teamed. You have your three-tack who is usually left alone with the guard, which is usually on the strong side of the field. You want your weak side guy to be double teamed 99 times out of 99 times out of hundred, because what it does, it allows your linebackers to blitz. Yeah. So Ted Laurent can handle a double team relatively well. And he's probably the most dominant one tech in the CFL. Well, it's just a matter of like, even if you do get through once or twice, they still have other options. Cody Fajardo can still run. All you need to do is do it once. If you're a defensive tackle, if you can get through that, that initial interior once or twice in a game, it opens up so many possibilities for the defense. Yeah. Like yeah. Your, your job as an interior alignment is not to get sacks. It's not to get tackles. It's to just cause – it's just to, you know, start shit. You disrupt the play. You're, you, you disrupt the play. You disrupt the rhythm. And you create chances for your, your teammates via blitz or double teams or both. That's what a nose tackle is supposed to do. As a whole, though, like, I think the Riders' offensive line looks pretty good. I think, obviously, your weak points are your tackles, which not great to have that as a weakness, especially that left tackle on the, on the quarterback's blind side. Who, who do they have? Who is it listing as? Uh, uh, Vaughn. Terrain Vaughn? Yeah. 26, 6, 3, 2, uh, 305. They've also got uh, <laughs> Josiah St. John listed as their third string left guard. Um, and I'll feel like a dumbass if I get this wrong, but was he not number one overall at, at one draft? He was selected first overall in the 2016 draft. Yeah, and then has done nothing. So uh, wouldn't you just love to see him live up to that uh, – that first overall selection. This is why you shouldn't draft American defensive linemen first. Offensive linemen. Or yeah, you shouldn't draft. I think that's my issue. You're, he he played three. He spent three seasons at the University of Oklahoma, where he appeared in fifteen games as a senior. He had four starts in seven conference games. So yeah. he he played three years. He should have never been picked first overall. Who picked? Who selected him? Saskatchewan. But this, this, this would have also been Chris Jones. There, no way. He was – oh, my God. Yeah, he's, he spent 
2019 on three different teams. Honestly, looking at this first round, you got St. John at first, you have Gagnon at second, and Revenberg at third. And then you have <laughs> Valencourt at fifth, Lausanne Seguin at seventh. You know, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't classify myself as a Jason Lausanne Seguin fan at all, but when you pick an offensive lineman at number seven who ends up being better than the lineman picked at number one, not too shabby. Like, I just – even Anyway. Gagnon and Rivenberg. What? And this is probably why people hated hated Chris Jones. Part of the reason. Honestly, how long was Chris Jones there? He was there from 15, 16 onward, right? 16 until – um, Yeah. I don't know exactly what year he left, but yeah, sixteen to eighteen. But was he brought in before or after the draft? Good question. That I don't know. Yeah, he was named coach in like December twenty fifteen. So, yeah, yeah. So he would have been there for this draft. This is probably his pick too, because he was the GM too. I don't think he has anyone that he drafted on the roster anymore. Well, other than St. John, who's back. Yeah, but I mean. Is Alec McKay on this roster? Because that'd be funny. Don't think so. I don't think anyone he's drafted has made a le- I don't think anyone he's drafted has made a legitimate contribution. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's uh that's tough. That's tough. Let's um let's get to kicker. Um kick returner, punt returner, as of right now, is listed as Kyron Moore and William Powell. Um I don't think William Powell's a legitimate kick returner. I think if he's there, then I, I'm questioning it. Kyran Moore, we'll see, I think. Uh, kicker, punter. John Ryan, the punter, of course, and then Brett Lawler, the uh, the kicker. I think Ryan is a really good punter, probably overpaid, to be honest with you, but uh, they wanted the Saskatchewan boy that had played in the NFL. Uh, Brett Lawler, I think, gets your job done. Not too worried about him, not overly excited about him. Uh, I don't think their special teams changes where I rank this offense. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going through Chris Jones's draft because I'm really interested. You just want to make fun of Chris Jones, eh? I just actually wanted to see how he did. He, he, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit here. 2017, he kind of redeemed himself. Cameron Jones or uh, Cameron Judge yeah. going second overall. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, he also drafted Picton. Mitchell Pigton in the fifth round. He could actually turn into something. Um, but, like, none of his O-linemen he drafted has turned out to be anything. No, yeah. Just, like, I mean, Josiah St. John has been a big disappointment. I, I hope for his sake that he can redeem himself and actually do something. Yeah, but the, the history is not on his side. I mean, he's 28 years old now. So oh, this, is, mean, exactly. this is probably his last chance. To be fair, he also did draft uh, Dakota Shepley. Shepley, yeah. Shepley. So I'll give him that. Um, Mika Teets, Tates out of Calgary, he drafted nothing. Is it? Um, is it Luke uh, Bonner? Is it Luke? Huh? For who? Bonner, right tackle. Bernard Bonner. Okay. Well. Twenty-four. So much for that. Uh, I think he saw a little bit of game action last year, if I remember correctly. But yeah, no, his drafting was not that great. No, but what is your rating for this offense? C minus. Really? Yeah. You're going that low? Yeah, I almost gave it a D. Uh, I was on. Jesus. As okay, Riders fans are gonna hate you. As much as I like the O line, not. The they got one they got, they got maybe two threats, consistent threats in Kenny Stafford and Shaq Evans. Yeah, uh, you know they have a lot of question marks. You know Kyron Moore, Mitchell Pickin, Pickton. You know a lot of a lot of question marks at the receiver. Way too many. Uh, in a league that you need three solidified options, they don't have that. So you know I a lot of question marks there. Question marks that quarterback. Can Fajardo continue to impress? Can Fajardo continue to make those growths uh, to be a legitimate quarterback in the CFL? 
and you know, is is James Franklin a solid start, like a solid backup? And there's so many question marks. Like the O line is the only thing I feel comfortable. Like it, the O line alone is like a B plus, but everything else for me is just there's too many question marks for this team. That if their O line suffers, if their O line, their O line is going to be the backbone, just like it should be. But will it be enough to allow William Powell and Cody Fajardo to make things happen? I don't think so because there's not enough weaponry for defenses to feel scared. And maybe maybe Dickinson can take that and make take advantage of that. Uh, great coach, but I I can't see it happening. I agree with you on some of those things, but I'm going C plus because I have a lot more faith in Cody Fajardo than you do. I know he's only in a second year starting, um, but what I saw to Cody Fajardo last year is like it, you you can tell that he has the makings of a star quarterback in the CFL. Um, I think he has the weapons to to work with with Kyra Moore, Jordan Williams. Uh, Lambert, Kenny Stafford, Shaq Evans, like obviously could be a little bit better, but I think if everybody can stay healthy, including William Powell, that, that to me is one of the key pieces. And then you add on that offensive line. I think that's good enough to get you to a point where I can safely say you're a, you're a C plus. And I could probably even see it. I, I think there's a world too, where if people over outperform what they, they were supposed to be, I think you could go to a B minus. Maybe, maybe they, I, you know, I, they could have performed, but right now on paper, sorry, Ryder fans, that offense is, looks like a dud. Like, it, and you know, with that being said, we're going to, we're going to move on over to the defense because. Yeah. As we just lost every single Riders fan right now. Pardon? As we just lost every Riders fan listener right now, <laughs> they're all gone. But you know, the, the, I don't see the offense being able to score many points. But you may not need to score a lot of points with this secondary. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. This secondary, Gainey, you, he's probably been one of the most consistent, like, defensive backs in the CFL over the last three or four years. It's just he's gonna be your number one guy. You add in guys like Othan Foster on top of that. You brought you brought in uh, Parafoy again. Like you brought him back. Nick Marshall seems to be a guy on the the upswing. Uh, this this offense this defensive backfield looks relatively dangerous, honestly. Yeah, it's interesting to me too that Ottawa just cut Luchus Purifoy as fast as they did. Okay, so about that, from from what I was able to find out, I mean, I don't know how much of it is accurate, but he he and um, Thorpe didn't see eye to eye. Wow, they, I can't believe that another player said that they did not like Noel so Thorpe. That was, that's the, the rumors I heard uh, was that Career 4 hated Thorpe and that they just didn't see eye to eye. And he's like, I, I want out. He asked, my understanding is he has to be released. I he cannot has, believe that uh, another player decided that Noel Thorpe was not good for their career. Yeah. So I, like, I'm, Shane, honestly, I'm so glad that we started doing this podcast because originally I kind of wanted Noel Thorpe to be the head coach of the Red Blacks. And then yeah. I started to find out that players hate this guy yeah he has a short lifespan he has a short uh, a short shelf shelf life now a defensive genius i'll say that but he has a very he's very narrow-minded very he, he doesn't have a, a very open mind to dude how you had sherrod baltimore on your roster a, the rookie of the year and you just decided to put him on the bench for two years I mean, I get it. You want to earn your playing time and, and whatnot, but, like, he handled things inappropriately. And I think this is where, where some things that, uh, you know, Cramp Campbell kind of let the ball slip with in Ottawa was he didn't snap it. Yeah, I think that's – the more that has come out about this whole situation, I know this is a writer's show, and I'm sorry for getting into this, but that's what things – things typically do here they always end up being back at the red black somehow but let's just say that the more that i've i've heard about this the happier i am that we have paul lapolis in here to run the show and and uh uh yeah i'm i'm excited 
yeah, I mean, going back to, to the Rough Riders, as much as I hate that name. Hey, um, we're still in Ottawa. What? We're still in Ottawa. I hate the fact that they stole the name. That's what they. <laughs> what I've said all the time, and I know I know Rough Rider fans are gonna be bad. And there goes the second half of our riders listeners. Until you change your name, you will not win more Grey Cups. The fact that you only have four Grey Cups is the curse of stealing a team's name. <laughs> but besides that, uh, the the back the defensive backfield looks stacked. Uh, you know, Ed Gainey was an uh, interception uh, leader, like. Two years ago. Forget leader. He was an interception machine. Yeah, but he led the league in interceptions like two years ago. He'll probably go back to it. So this secondary, I have no issue with. I think it's going to be a very good secondary. They will steal. The secondary in an 18-game season would steal at least three games for the Rough Riders. Yeah, I th- in, in an 18-game season, you said? Yeah. I was going to say, if you were talking about a six-game season, then – you just had half your stolen your season stolen for your offense. Good work. Keep it up. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, I really like this secondary. You've got four out of the five that are just solid, if not top end defensive backs in the CFL. I mean, I can't complain. Yeah, I mean it's a great, great backfield. And Going back to, you know, the front seven, moving forward in the defense. Oh, where do we where do we start? You know, you got Cameron Judge, who's just been a beast since he's came into the league in 2017. Uh, you've paired him up with uh, Solomon Aluminium, and you got Gary Johnson Jr. coming in. You brought in Dion Lacey, uh, Nikas Onani. I always butcher this name. Uh, Nikasa Nenyak got cut by Toronto, signed. Like, that's that front seven in, in terms of the linebacking core, fantastic. Yeah, I also want to add to uh, uh, the cornerback spot, LJ McCray is back there. He, in his rookie season last year, played 13 games, picked off three passes. Uh, so the whole five players in the secondary, clearly interception threats. Oh yeah, they're they're all ball hawks. But let's let's see how many of those interceptions came against Ottawa. Hold on. <laughs> okay, one of them did, and uh, he wasn't on the roster before week seven. So one interception came against Ottawa. That's automatically nullified because uh, Ottawa sucks. Yeah, I don't think that's how it works. Uh, <laughs> Fine, you can keep it. Interception, no matter who it's against and how bad the team is. But <laughs> well, going back to the yeah, this linebacking core is actually relatively dangerous. They can stop the, they can play down and on the run, or they can play up and, and play the pass. Uh, Cameron Judge is probably one of the most versatile linebackers. I think with Alex Singleton being in the league, he wasn't given as much credit. Like he was kind of that second fiddle to Singleton, and since Singleton has left, like he he really took his own, like made his name in last season. And I would have expected Cameron Judge to have brought in more in a 2020 season. Like, he would have made a case to being a, a CFL All-Star. I wouldn't be surprised if he if heading at the end of the season, or even at this point, we're talking about him being Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, I think, too, it's, it's almost like he's been a little bit, not underrated, but I guess, like, under-showcased, if that makes any sense. Um, we all know that, Cameron Judge exists and that Cameron Judge is good, but I don't think we ever have really been force-fed Cameron Judge like we have been other players. Like every time Charleston Hughes is on the field, there's somebody talking about Charleston Hughes. Um, every time Trey Roberson's on the field, we're, we're talking about Trey Roberson. I don't think Cameron Judge gets that same treatment. No, I mean, he's definitely been one of the quieter ones, and I think it's because of, you know, say what you want, but I definitely think it's the fact that he's a Canadian – you know, yes, Singleton kind of came in. He forced, who was it, Tank Reed out of Calgary. He basically stole Tank Reed's job. Tank Reed, uh, very good linebacker, by the way. He is. Um, but, you know, Cameron Judge kind of came in. He didn't steal anyone's job. I think that's why. I don't think he can't – he didn't come in and steal a, a, a an all-star job. He came in and took the job that was 
rightfully his to take, but he didn't replace someone who has been there before, who in the, the eyes of many was still a very capable linebacker. Right. It's not like he came in and stole Adam Bayhill's job here. Like he just yeah. kind of came out of nowhere for, for pretty much everybody except for people paying attention to the riders really closely. I mean, yeah. it, it sucks, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. I think him and uh, and Solly there make a, a pretty good tag team. It, it's it's kind of weird to be talking about Solly though in a way that isn't about the PA. Like no, <laughs> I've almost forgotten at times that he's actually a player still. Yeah, I mean it's refreshing to see. But I think what makes this this linebacking court even more devastating is if you look at the front seven. You know, yes. you got Leonard, Charleston Hughes, uh, Sterling Shippey. An underrated player in Jordan Reeves. I think if Jordan Reeves is given a, an actual opportunity to to show himself, uh, I'm pretty sure he's also brothers with Ryan Reeves, the forward for the the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, oh, I think so. I think I might be mistaken. Um, we got a Chris Getzlaff situation again, eh? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, and then you have uh, one of the guys that we've had on the show, uh, Chad Geeter. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Zach Evans in the middle. Zach this, Evans on this depth chart is actually listed as the second nose tackle. That's not surprising. Like this team, who do they have as who do they have as number one? Henry. Pardon? Henry. I don't uh, know his first yeah. name off the top of my head. So uh, McKenna Henry. Okay. Do they have him as a four three or a three four defense? Well, they're all listed as uh, three linebackers, four defensive linemen. Uh, and I mean. To be fair, Zach Evans wasn't much of a starter in Ottawa either. Um, no, but I just like uh, Zach Evans. So do I. But, I mean, the, when you have that kind of depth, this front seven is terrifying. Yes. You know, you have Charleston Hughes, which you don't even need to explain that. Dude, you talk about their front seven being terrifying, and then you throw five more ball hawks on the back of it. Like, What are you supposed to do? You know, you're Charleston Hughes and A.C. Leonard – are going to terrorize the outside. You add in uh, Evans and, and Henry inside. Um, and then you have a depth of, you know, Geeter and, and Reeves and, and Shippey. Those, those are all guys that can go out and get after the, after the quarterback. You know, may not get some sacks. You know, Charleston's obviously going to get his sacks. It's Charleston Hughes. He's not going to be denied. Over, under on eight for Charleston Hughes in a six-game season. Over. You think so? 100%. Dude's going to come out a man on a mission. He's going to terrorize tackles. Yeah. Um, Damn. That's a hot take. But, uh, you know, you you look at that front seven. I like Shippey. I think Shippey can be a good interior defensive lineman. Um, Where do they have him on that that depth chart? They have Shippey listed uh, underneath A.C. Leonard and Chad Jeter. On the outside? Yes, on uh, defensive end, my huh. left side defensive end. Huh, surprising. But, I mean, it's A.C. Leonard. I think A.C. Leonard is probably the most – I know he wasn't well-liked in Ottawa. I don't think that's true. I actually really liked A.C. Leonard here. I think people thought he had – I think a lot of fans began to give him a very lazy, didn't-want-to-be-here attitude. I think that's a ridiculous take. Didn't he also get ended up getting scratch? Like he was a healthy scratch for one of our playoff games. Yes. No, that was uh, Jonathan Newsom, wasn't it? I thought it was both. It may have been both, but I know Newsom I, definitely was in that boat. I think Thorpe just caused way too many problems. I think overall, you look at the players that we had on this defense. You know, Thorpe may have caused a lot more issues than than yeah. people want to admit, or fans are saying, or. Other- other than what, the three games that we got out of Sean Lemon in 2015, was A.C. Leonard not the best defensive end the Red Blacks have had? Other than maybe Avery Ellis? Honestly, I don't know. I, I felt like there were some times where he took games off. Not going to lie, I'm one of those players that I just thought that, like, um, he took games off. But, like, his one and only season, he had six sacks in 17 games, 49 tackles. I mean, we're not talking about a very good Red Blacks defensive line. It's always sucked. Yeah. Like, you know, he he's had 25 sacks in five seasons. 
that's not too bad. Like, I'll take that. Five or more the last four years. Yeah. But I think I think he may have, you know, unfortunately, Thorpe may have ruined a couple of relationships. That's that's entirely likely. Let's uh, quickly give our ratings for this, and then I want to quickly bring up our fan base bait segment that I have teased repeatedly. Oh, yes. Yes, um, you're very bad at this. We keep teasing things and not following through on it. It's not just me that's bad at things. You're bad at things, too. <laughs> said, we're very bad at things. Okay. I heard you're very bad at things. I said, we're very bad at things. Yes. Sorry, guys. We will get better at this. Stay with us. Stay patient. We love your support. Um, but, yeah, honestly, I'm giving this defense an A+. Yeah, I am, too. I think we've already explained it, too. Yeah, too not, not, no holes. Like, and if there is holes, it's probably depth on the defensive backside, but, like, not enough issues to, to vary on the – to drop any of the ratings. Yeah. Overall, giving this team a B-, minus, I think the defensive upside isn't enough to offset how crappy I think their offense is going to be. So, I got to yeah. give it – I think my overall is a B, B-plus-ish range. Um, this defense is really good. I think the offense can outperform its expectations. And I think ultimately they're going to have a pretty good season. If it's six games, I mean, if you go two and four, that's a relatively good season. Not Two and four probably gets you into the playoffs too. Probably. At, at least in the East. Man, in the East you can go zero and – You'd be able to go zero and six and still make. The I I think I think going one, four and one gets you into the playoffs in the East. True, but uh, let's get to hashtag fan baits. Uh, eventually, we're going to produce an intro for this. I promise it will be something that I do. Um, so I asked a series of questions and polls on our Twitter. Uh, we're going to go through them, Shane. You and me right now. Uh, who's the best Canadian in the CFL right now? The best Canadian? Yes. Andrew Harris. Yeah. I think that one's a pretty easy question. Uh, Andrew Harris is both of our answers. Um, if there's a 2020 season, who's winning the Grey Cup? Hamilton. Yeah. You're going Hamilton, huh? I think they're the only – that defense is built to win. The offense hasn't gone much worse. I think they're the biggest question marks the receiving core, and I think they have enough running back power to, to offset it. I'm taking Hamilton, too. And the fans have a split between Saskatchewan and Hamilton. 31% of the votes to each. Saskatchewan players, fans, so that's not surprising. Yeah. Uh, Saskatchewan's at 31%. Winnipeg's at 23%. Hamilton's at 31%. And then all of the other teams are at 15%. That's not surprising. (laughs) Um, If there is a six-game season, how many games will the Red Blacks win? Your options are 0-2, 3-4, 5-6. 0-2. 0-2, eh? I mean, having a new quarterback like Mick Arbuckle, I just – I think they're going to they're gonna go against a team – let's say they played Montreal the first week. You know, that, that's an offense that most of those guys know. Not a lot of new players in that offense against a new a, – basically a brand-new offensive system. I have to – like, if that if, – depending on how they're – if it's Ottawa versus Toronto, it's a toss-up. But I don't know. I feel like they're going to play teams that are in a new system while they're still learning. I think Ottawa's at a disadvantage. And it's not because of lack of skill. I just think that it comes to familiarity. New quarterback, new system, too many variables to really get over in a six-game season. I think that's fair, but I'm also going to say three to four. I think there's just too much talent on the roster right now, uh, too much excitement to have a, a new coach. You know, you want to go out and win for them. And I, I think that's going to – I think they're going to be able to get three to four wins. Our fans have also spoken. Fifteen percent of votes have said zero to two. Sixty-two is three to four. Twenty-three percent said five to six. Not bad. If there's a six-game season, who would lead the league in passing yards? I voted Bo Levi on this. I did too. I think this one's obvious. The fans also agree. Half half the people polled, fifty percent, said Bo Levi Mitchell. The runner-up was Mike Riley with twenty-three percent. Cody Fajardo followed with 18%, and every other quarterback in the CFL got a combined 9%. Yeah, that's not surprising. But I, I don't like, know. Even with that depleted receiving core in Calgary, I think it's – I would have put Adam 
over Fajardo. Not gonna lie. You would take who? I would take Adams over Fajardo. Yeah. See, I weapons. when I put these together, I kind of just took, you know, three guys that I think are probably going to be able to put together a lot of passing yards, the two best quarterbacks in the league. And and then I took Cody Fajardo because I know people think Cody Fajardo is really good. Uh, very last question of hashtag fan baits this week. If there is a six-game season, will we see a player break the 1,000-yard receiving point? I said yes because I love hot takes. <laughs> this This is a question that is – Honestly, this is the one that I think you could have the most debate about. I mean, six games. It's not unrealistic to think that somebody could hit a thousand yards because you're asking someone to average like 166 yards a game. Is that impossible in the CFL? Uh, yeah. I, I would no. Say, I mean, no. I mean, averaging almost 200 yards a game and rec- receiving in a game is pretty hard. I don't think you can realistically say that this is a possibility. So, if you had to set an over under, what would you put it at? If you had to set a number for an over-under, where would you set it? I would say the max you'd see a receiver at is like 750 yards. So you'd put over-under at 750? Yeah. I'd set mine at 800. Really? Yeah. I, I think in, in a league the way it is today, with so much passing, especially with some really explosive players and some really good quarterbacks in the league right now, uh, I think the quarterback play is probably going to be about as good this year as it has been ever. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that there's going to be somebody that puts up 800 yards in six games. See, as much as I would love it because I love hot takes and I voted yes on this, I just don't see being being realistic. You're asking a player to have almost 200 yards receiving every game. Uh, you know, I think 750 is even a even is a stretch. I think we'd be lucky to see people, like multiple receivers over 600. I I think I think over 600 will definitely see. Not multiples. I, I would be very surprised to see multiple receivers over 600 yards. I think it also depends a lot on how teams play because, if anything, I would expect defenses to come out a lot slower than an offense does uh, with yeah, this, this kind of layoff. How many, how many you know, passes are you getting, right? Because we see, what, maybe like five or six, seven play receivers max hit 1,000 yards in an 18-game season. It's just – it's a matter of opportunity, and I don't know if the opportunity is there for a player to hit over, like hit 1,000 yards. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think if somebody does it, they'll have a hell of a year, obviously. Um, That's almost- I think – honestly, I think it would be a little bit more reasonable to see Andrew Harris hit 1,000 yards combined between re- uh, receiving well, and rushing. It's 100%. Also, yeah. Don Jackson out in uh, in Hamilton, also another guy I can see hitting a thousand all-purpose yards. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think ninety-five percent of people said no to that one. Five percent said yes. I think you're the only one who actually voted yes on that, Shane. Um, but yeah, that's that is the end of fan baits. I think we're gonna plan to do a little bit more of that um, because I like hot takes. I I want to see people's hot takes. I love hot takes. They're so much fun. But I think, honestly, guys, that's, that's a wrap for, for the episode with, uh, with Frankie's hot, hot takes. Fan baits. Fan baits section. But, yes, uh, I apologize for the lack of details happening with this pre-order for our merch. I am doing my best to get on it and keeping it on track. Hopefully... Hopefully, we'll have something up shortly for you guys uh, in terms of, of pictures and whatnot for you guys to see what they're going to look like. But if you do have any questions on it or if you know what you want and you, you, know, you have an understanding of what they look like and you want to do a, a deposit on it, definitely shoot us a DM on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 13th Man Pod on Twitter and Instagram, 13th Man Podcast on uh Facebook. You can also contact us through our website, the thirteenthmanpodcast.com, and we can kind of go from there. We still are looking for content creators, uh, for writers, anything like that. About you know most teams. I think we only have we have two right now for the Rough Riders. Yeah, we're working on finalizing uh, one or two more people to get them on the the Thirteenth Man Fam. So. So. 
definitely if you are interested, great way to get in. Um, but for myself, you can find me at Shane underscore Ryan 97 for Frankie at 613 Frankie. Again, find us at 13th Man Pod. And apologize for this being a Wednesday episode instead of a Tuesday episode. We will be back here on Friday with a brand new episode, 10 a.m. Eastern, on all your uh, – anywhere you find your, your podcast. Remember, if you do like the episodes, uh, share them. Rate, uh, give us five stars, comment, all that fun stuff. Make sure you subscribe to us on your, your podcast channel. And we will catch you guys here again on Friday morning.